Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. My name is Michael Benner, and this is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for December 13th, 2009, available perpetually by replay as streaming audio, also podcast. And I want to thank you for being here, whether you're with us live today or listening to a replay of this program. And if you are live, uh, then you can, of course, besides listen in by web or telephone, uh, something that, you know, the telephone option is not available for the replays, uh, unfortunately, only the live program. But uh, you can also, by being live, uh, participate either by web or telephone. And I'm sure at this point you've noticed that uh, the screen in front of you is different. If this is your first time, you have no reference, of course, but for those of you who've been with us before, you'll, you'll notice that the screen is a little different. All the management tools you need are on the left now, starting with a welcome screen that will take you back to this page. If you ever get off onto some other section of the website, and you want to come back to this particular page, click on Welcome. Uh, you'll notice that you can um, click Listen In, and which I'm sure you've already done, and chosen either the web feed or the telephone to listen to. And that's fine. You can go back and forth. You can even do both. If you are calling, be aware that besides the main phone number, so-called primary number and the backup number, uh, you can find a telephone number with an area code near you by clicking on other numbers. All right? If you're still paying for toll calls by the minute, you may want to do that. And in fact, you could do both, web and telephone, as far as that goes. Uh, just be aware that the web feed is delayed by about 15 seconds. And so... If you're going to call in on the phone, it's a good idea to be listening on the phone. Star 2 will raise your hand. That's on the touchtone pad. And for those of you who would like to submit a question or a comment by text, um, just click the button and um, you'll be able to write a text message and click submit. It's all pretty straightforward, I think. In addition to that, you have resources. Uh, at the very bottom, a link to take you to our premium audio website. You can get six free programs at FocusedPassion.com. And there's also links to my site at The Ageless Wisdom, where you can register easily for the newsletter if you're not getting the newsletter. Also, audio archives, besides taking you to a location where all past programs are posted, you can also find a gadget there to forward any one or more of the programs that are posted to friends of yours, those who you think might be especially interested in, you know, this program or that program. It's a pretty cool device, and of course all of this is free to you. Thanks to Focused Passion, and thanks to those of you who are subscribers at Focused Passion. That's what makes all of this possible and ad-free as well and um, of course there's a newsletter and comment blog I'm behind on keeping that posted and updated I gotta do some catching up on that 
Also new as of uh, this week in our new system is a chat room. Now, I've enabled the chat room, and you can go in there uh, 10 or 15 minutes before these classes begin and during the class and chat with each other. I would just remind you to be respectful when you disagree with each other and uh, ask a lot of questions. I, I think beside, besides just the rules of the way civilized people treat each other, it's good to emphasize those two ideas. When you disagree as philosophers or as students of uh, higher knowledge, it's a real good idea to always recenter yourself, to use uh, a state of equanimity, of, of balance, where you can always be respectful. And a great way to challenge people respectfully is, um, well, to use the most appropriate language, but also to ask questions of each other. And that really makes for a hot chat room experience. Uh, I've, I've also posted a, a kind of a network for this organization called uh, the Ageless Wisdom, where we can uh, not only chat, but also exchange email and, um, and grow the group. I've just set it up. You can join now. Again, it's all free. Um, and, and update your profile and be part of the network. And then in future weeks, we'll talk a little more about it. But you can visit it uh, at your leisure at theagelesswisdom.ning.com. And Ning is spelled N, like Nancy, I-N-G. Okay? So it's the W's dot the ageless wisdom dot ning dot com. It's just like my regular web address, the ageless wisdom dot com, only you're sticking the N I N G in between and that's a social network. It's it's sort of like our own Facebook page. So check that out, join that, sign up for that if you can. And um, I think you found it very straightforward and very simple to use. And it's a great way for you to meet each other. Theagelesswisdom.ning.com. And then the live chat during the event. Okay? So a couple of new things for you. Well, our topic today is dreaming, an absolutely fascinating aspect of life and one that uh, we take for granted very early in life, and many people never revisit, never really give much thought to. Uh, uh, you know, it's the small minority of individuals who ever uh, buy books about dreaming or keep dream journals on the bedside table and even learn to incubate dreams or work with lucid dreams. And while we're at it, what is the relationship of a daydream to the spontaneous dreams we have at night? Further, how do we discern the meaning of our spontaneous dreams? And how can we learn to program or incubate dreams to actually contain information to help us solve problems in our daily lives? 
that's what we're going to cover today. Again, about uh, 45 minutes from now, I will go to both the text questions that you've submitted in the interim. You can do that now, a question or a comment, or at any time during the class. And I'll visit that, as I say, in about 45 minutes. And the same thing for those of you on the telephone, if you want to call, um, wait about 40 minutes or so. I mean, you can always call and listen in at any time. Uh, you might have to get up in the middle of uh, this live class and go someplace. So you turn the computer off and listen to the rest of it on the telephone. But if you want to participate on the telephone, then uh, star 2 will raise your hand, and you can do that now or later, though, again, it's going to be about 40 minutes, 45 minutes before I go to the phones and the text questions. So you have that option to listen in or participate by the web with text or telephone. All right. And, again, with the new page and the new layout, it might feel a little awkward at first, but you poke around on the buttons and try this and try that, and uh, you'll find it's pretty simple and straightforward. Again, I want to thank you for being here today. Let's get into our class material, the whole idea of, of dreams. I think a good place to begin is to reflect upon the nature of the mind wanting to work by itself even when we don't apply ourselves to any particular mental effort. Uh, let me see if I can break that down and say it more simply. If you decide while you're reading a book or a newspaper or any literature to put it down and stop reading, uh, the mind still goes. Maybe you're going to think about what you've just read. But even if you put down what you're reading and decide there's nothing to review, I got that, no follow-up necessary, uh, and you turn your attention away from what you've been reading, the mind continues. You may even find yourself distracted from time to time by the tendency of a wandering mind. And the more stimulated we are, by, well, what is, what is physical stimulus? By that which comes in through our vision, through our auditory channels, our ability to hear, to smell and taste, which is olfactory and gustatory, and uh, the tactile sensations of touch and the kinesthesia or kinesiology the kinesthetic part that allows us to feel things inside our bodies and coordinate ourselves. And anybody can close their eyes if they're sober and do that DUI test, right? Close your eyes and put the tip of one finger on the end of your nose without looking. Uh, fine, drunks have a problem with that, but how do sober people do it? It's by feeling yourself in your body, and yet very few of us are aware of that, aware of our ability to be aware, can I say it that way, of how it feels to be in a body. 
um, many people are naturally very kinesthetic and oriented toward how it feels to be in a body. Uh, others, and this would have to include me for the first third or even half of my lifetime, well, the first third of my life anyway, um, I had very little sense of existing below the shoulders. I was just sort of a, um, aware of myself in my head, from my head's point of view, and my body rather uh, carried my head from place to place. But not only did I lack the the kinesthetic sense of being in a body, but I was also lacking a sensitivity to my emotional nature, the subtler emotions anyway, because we feel those in our bodies as well. And so people like me who were raised uh, to honor only your logic and reasoning, um, and we end up getting stuck in our heads, uh, what we're losing here is our emotional intelligence as well as a lot of physical coordination and and the ability to to perform physically I mean, if you're going to dance for example or be a good athlete you've got to have that ability to feel in your body to move your awareness into your body that phrase alone has fascinated me. I've used it in my practice for 30 years and saying to somebody who's sitting in front of you, well, close your eyes and move your awareness down into your body. You know, again, maybe a third to possibly a half uh, know exactly what you're talking about. And they close their eyes and they move right into their body. The other half or more will say, what are you talking about? What do you mean move my awareness into my body? I don't know what you're talking about, you know. A good question to ask yourself right now is, where do you live? Do you live in your head? And if not, if you live somewhere in your body, if your sense of being aware or present exists not in your head but in your body someplace, then where in your body? I don't know that I've ever met anybody that reported their center, so to speak, as being in their legs, right? Those are arms and legs are almost appendages. But running through the torso is an extension of the brain itself called the central nervous system and the spine. And if you look up in most anatomy books, the word brain you won't just see this walnut-shaped organ that sits in the head. You'll also see the spine is still attached all the way to the tail, so to speak, the base of the spine. That's all part of the brain and the central nervous system. All right. So when you feel yourself in your body, you usually feel yourself along the spine somewhere. Like uh, if you're being very emotional, you might be in the belly very loving, you tend up toward the heart. If you're afraid or angry, hateful or upset, that's going to pull you below the belly, down toward the the sacral center or the the root, um, the tail, the the base of the spine. And 
most of us vary. We run the gamut from the tail to the heart and back again. Um, where do you exist when you feel yourself in your body? It's largely a matter of mood and attitude and awareness, but I'm sure for many people listening to this program, just the idea of being in your body is is a whole uh, a whole new concept for you. So where do you, do you exist? Where does your awareness exist? And then the first point I made: notice that even when you stop thinking, when you put down what you're reading, or oh, let's say push away from your computer, or balancing your checkbook, right, or figuring out a bus schedule, even if you don't continue to think about what you've been working on, the mind will continue to run. And so the reason I begin today's class with this idea is that this is true even when you go to sleep. Even when, <laughs> even when you fall asleep, you become unconscious and unaware of the thinking mind and where it's centered in your head or in your body, and yet the mind runs on. Sleep is merely becoming unconscious, even more unaware of what's going on inside your head or your awareness uh, in your body. There is auditory also. Basic, the three basic rep systems I'm sure most of you know from NLP, the visual that corresponds to a lot of thinking and being in your head, the auditory, which is similar, but there's a lot of sound-based thinking, a lot of thinking in voices rather than in pictures, right? And then the kinesthetic that we were just referring to, experiencing awareness, in the body, whether it's awareness of thinking or you may be thinking about how you feel in your body or what your body is trying to tell you about, or it could be emotions also. Remember, your EQ, your emotional intelligence, is a mental discernment of a feeling in the body. So you have physical feelings and you have emotional feelings that are felt in the body. Oddly, we don't talk about mental feelings, do we? Isn't that curious? The mental feeling is rarely felt in the body, but experienced in the head. And um, I guess if there was such a thing, or if there were such a thing as a mental feeling, maybe it would be that confirmation rush of realization or awareness, the aha experience of uh, uh what the or the Greeks called it Eureka Illumination, where you not only realize something, but there's a whole confirmation rush and a, a, an awareness that not only you know it, but that's clearly the truth. It just, bam, comes through with such power. And um, maybe, maybe that intuitive hit, um, or you might say the sixth sense, would be mental feeling. Play around with the idea. So my basic premise so far today is leading up to the idea of dreams and dreaming night and day. 
based on this 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 awareness that I'm suggesting most people take for granted their whole lives and and rarely if ever or more likely never do what you're doing which is reflecting upon dreams and reflecting upon the tendency of the mind to run on so-called stream of consciousness or a train of thoughts right chugga 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 think of a train of thoughts and feelings boxcar after boxcar right and uh, I always admire those people my friend Steve Snyder is one of those people who at a party can always retrace conversation if somebody says man how did we get on this and Steve will backtrack he'll go well we were talking we got to this because we were talking about this and that came out of a conversation we had about this and before that we were talking about this right and watching conversation evolve is fascinating and Steve's were good at that he, he, can, he can remember the genesis of any particular conversation but when you're not in conversation your mind will do the same thing. It has its own train of thoughts, where even if your thinking is not applied, you may say, I'm going on a break. I'm going to go outside for a walk. Or I'm going to, I'm going to um, just go over to the water cooler and uh, clear my head a bit, you know. You can't turn it off. You can't turn it off. The best meditators are people that learn to turn off their mind for very short periods uh, at a time because the pressure, if you will, of the mind to want to think, the demands of consciousness to provide feedback so that we're aware that we exist is just so great that, as they say, only the the most studied and practiced uh, uh, meditators or contemplatives. There's many kinds of meditation. I'm really talking about contemplation, which is emptying the mind. That's very, very difficult to do. And if you could do that for three or four seconds at a time, completely empty the mind before the mind says, oh, you did it, you're not thinking. <laughs> but of course... It just interrupted your non-thinking state with a thought, with a judgment. Hey, dude, you did it, right? And and so it is. And I'm saying that that process, the stream of consciousness or the train of thinking, that not only does not end when you push away from what you're doing or turn your attention elsewhere, but even as you fall asleep, it continues. And there is a lot of evidence that many people, if not all people, have a stream of consciousness if they're in a coma. It can depend how deep the coma, and brain researchers can tell a lot about the level of awareness by the frequency of brain waves. I'd like to talk about brain waves briefly, too, because that's important to this. And so um, a EEG could be hooked up to uh, someone who is sleeping or someone who's in a coma, and we can tell by the frequency 
of the predominant brain waves a lot about the level of awareness and whether this person is conscious and asleep, that is dreaming, uh, aware of their dreams while they're having them, the so-called lucid dream, which I'd like to talk about today, or in most cases dreaming but not aware of the dream. It's a matter of will they remember the dream when they wake up. And that's a function of a lot of things, primarily the emotional amplitude of the dream. The bigger the power of the dream emotionally, the more likely you are to remember it when you wake up in the morning. But having said that, you can very easily train yourself, condition yourself, not only to remember dreams, but to understand them, and then even to incubate dreams. I'd like to talk about daydreaming, lucid dreaming, and incubating dreams, as well as the basic theme What do our dreams mean, these dreams that we seem to have every night and sometimes remember in the morning when we wake up and sometimes we don't? Let's be clear. People who say, oh, I I never dream, well, that's not true. You'd be psychotic in 48 hours if you did not dream. Uh, Everybody dreams. Just those who say they don't dream are not remembering their dreams, usually because they just don't care and they're not interested. right? And then there's a great body of people that remember their dreams for like a fraction of a second when they wake up in the morning or maybe for two or three seconds. But the pressure of the waking state, again, takes over and your mind begins to race. And then, you know, maybe... Even if just 15 seconds goes by, it's too late. You try to go back. Wait a minute. Wait. Wasn't I just remembering a dream? Hold on. Oh, damn, I lost it. You know, (laughs) so fragile can be those dream states. But consider that your mind is running 24-7, that that thing doesn't turn off. From sometime in utero before you're born, Nobody knows exactly when. Until the moment of brain death, the mind is continuing to work. All right. Now, this is a spiritual group to a large extent, personal and spiritual development. This does beg the question, do we think after we die? And I have to tell you, from a comparative study of religion and especially the larger esoteric fields of philosophy and mysticism, metaphysics and such that that embrace all religion and go beyond religion, you know, far beyond in philosophy. The the general consensus is that the I'll say the soul on its own plane, the the embodiment of love as consciousness that exists on the Buddhic plane, or a Christian would say in heaven, uh, well, a Jew or Muslim would say the same thing, in heaven, that place where souls go in the belief system of religion 
is the place where your soul is now in mysticism and the place it resided before you were born, the overshadowing soul. And this, of course, we've talked about in the past, we'll talk about it in the future. It's, it's one of the greatest heresies of all to talk about the preexistence of the soul. Uh, the church gets very upset and angry, even though many of the founders of Christianity believed not only in reincarnation, but in the so-called pre-existence of the soul. Uh, since uh, the 5th, 6th uh, centuries in Catholicism and ever since the Reformation in Protestantism, the basic Christian teaching is upon conception. Uh, God makes or manufactures a new soul and tucks it into the fetus at some point or the zygote or the embryo or maybe the baby after it's born. Nobody really knows for sure. There's an awful lot of brain development that happens after a human child is born. That brain is growing and developing in many ways, until five, six, seven years of age. So that's for the religious people to explain to you, not for me. My understanding is every human soul is as old as the universe itself, and all exist in a reservoir. The population on Earth seems to be growing because there's more souls incarnated at any time from this great reservoir of human souls, but that they stand above us. And when we, quote, die of this life, will that mentality that we've been talking about today continue? And I have to say, according to most philosophies, it does, but it's called the higher mind. And it does not consist of the stream of consciousness or the train of thoughts that the lower mind dwells upon when we are between birth and death, when we are incarnated and in separated form. That's when the lower mind predominates, a mind basically seeking control, approval, and a mind that feels the need to judge. That's basically what the lower mind does. It tries to find influence and control. It constantly seeks approval. And it is compelled to judge things as good or bad, right or wrong, winners or losers. I'm going to move toward it or away from it, you know, that kind of thing. The higher mind that exists before our incarnation that can be accessed while we're incarnated through contemplation and meditation, and of course exists um, um, upon physical death, this, this higher mind has an ability to think, and does indeed think by all accounts, but not about those three things. It's not looking for control. Imagine if you could do this in your waking life now. You can, but it Again, it's a training. It's it's very challenging to give up with the lower mind the search for control and influence, right? To give up the constant need for approval and acceptance, to be loved, 
And uh, third, the constant judging to to challenge yourself to see things as they are without judgment uh, is an assignment that will keep you busy for the rest of your life, however old or young you happen to be. To stop judging, not easy to do. Because judgments are often required. Sometimes you have to judge. Sometimes you have to make judgments. But to be aware of the times when that's not necessary is uh, really an essential part of self-realization, of the larger process of waking up to your full potential, both personal and spiritual, both as an ego in form and as a soul above and free of form. Okay, So there's a higher mind, the soul, the lower mind, which is our so-called intelligence in form, and this tendency of the mind to run on, to go, you know, even when you're asleep. And that accounts for the, the, the daydreaming, uh, the distractions, even when we have applied our thinking, and for the dreams at night. Let me pause for a little sip of tea. Actually, that was more of a gulp, but thanks for that. Now, um, I want to talk about brain waves briefly because they're an important part of the model and they're really quite simple. Brain waves are simply a radio signal, an RF radio frequency signal that is broadcast by the brain as a result of electrochemical activity happening in the brain. What's interesting about this radio signal that pulses from the center of your head is that it the frequency keeps changing. It floats. It's not always on the same frequency. Um, it would be as if you went to a radio to listen for your favorite radio station and they had moved up or down the dial, and you had to tune around the dial, and every day your favorite radio station was in a different location on the dial. That's what happens with the brain. It runs through a dial, so to speak, a continuum or a spectrum that runs like a piano keyboard or a radio dial from one cycle per second to 40 cycles per second. And the higher frequencies correspond to awake and the lower frequencies correspond to being asleep but you think everywhere whether you're wide awake whether you're overstimulated brainwave frequencies higher still moving into the 30s now maybe approaching uh, a panic attack right now you're in the upper 30s more stimulus, higher brainwave frequency. Well, the other end of that spectrum is the lower the brainwave frequency, the quieter our thinking, the less frenetic, the less easily distracted. Brainwaves going lower and lower correspond to focusing your attention, to your ability to relax and concentrate your attention becoming 
less likely to be distracted into meditative states and finally into unconsciousness and yet the thinking continues now this bottom level below four cycles the delta level to say thinking continues um, is a debatable projection uh, we don't have any uh, evidence of thinking in the deepest of levels because this is where dreaming seems by all accounts to stop this is um, more an area of just not knowing and understanding yet and a lot more brain research needs to be done but if somebody would argue that there's got to be a state where there is no thinking at all and yet you're still alive right it's got to be below four cycles per second because that's so-called delta level that's non-dreaming deep 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 sleep right by the way let's move from the bottom up delta being one to four cycles or zero if you will to four cycles per second the frequency of the brain wave four to seven cycles per second is theta and this is the REM state rapid eye movement and this is associated with dreaming and you come into theta, four to seven cycles, for about five or six minutes every hour and a half or so. And then you continue sleeping by dropping back into delta, zero to four cycles, as I say, for about 90 minutes. And then drifting up into the slightly faster four to seven cycle range, theta, while you have a dream for the next five or six minutes. The next level, 7 to 12 cycles per second, is the celebrated alpha brainwave level. This is a level of focused concentration, arrived at like sleep itself through relaxation and feeling safe. But it's a place where we can be aware and alert. This is a, a daydreaming state, but not a spaced-out daydreaming, more of a spaced-in, really focused concentration, all right? And then above 12 or 13 cycles all the way up to the high 30s is the awake, alert, but increasingly scattered and easily distracted state known as beta. So from the bottom up, it's delta, theta, alpha, beta. And these brainwave levels, believe it or not, have been experimented with, discerned, uh, defined, and observed for just over 100 years. It's hard to believe that, um, you know, about the time the automobile was being invented, we had machinery to detect brain waves, but it's true. The EEG. And because the, the signal, the power of the brain wave is so low, uh, we have to put the antenna right on the scalp. And that's what the leads, um, those wires that you see on the electroencephalogram, that's what they're all about. They're sort of like uh, radio antennas that are put right on the scalp. Now, as I said before, everybody dreams because the mind is always going. I would argue even in this deepest non-dream theta place, 
the mind is thinking on some level, right? Certainly the higher mind that I mentioned uh, before, uh, the mind of the soul, so to speak, the mind that is free of control and approval and judgment is still operating. And so this accounts for the fact that you continue to breathe. There has to be an intelligence there that your heart continues to beat, that very sophisticated responses are happening to maintain body temperature and blood pressure, uh, to fight disease, to repair and replace cells. Um, We call this the autonomic uh, nervous system, but clearly, uh, no matter how unconscious we may be, this process continues and so sleep tends to carry with it these dream cycles of as I mentioned five or six minutes every hour and a half or so and this is true for pretty much everybody who remembers their dreams varies widely from like I say the emotional amplitude of the Dream is probably the primary determining factor. Uh, Dreams that are really scary or dreams that are wonderful. Uh, Dreams that are full of color and big emotional passion are the ones you're most likely to remember in the morning. And um, then again, you can cultivate uh, an ability uh, to remember and even understand your 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 dreams to even incubate dreams by talking to yourself simply uh, with affirmations or suggestions that you speak silently. You don't even have to say it out loud, right? Silently to yourself as you fall asleep. Now you don't need to do a meditation because on the way to sleep. As you drift into sleep naturally, you're going through these hypersuggestible states of of meditation and and hypnosis and and biofeedback and such. These alpha brainwave states you're falling through as you fall asleep, and then through the also hypersuggestible states of theta as you drift deeper and deeper, falling asleep. So you don't have to consciously alter your state uh, you're already falling through these open suggestible states so as you fall asleep simply say to yourself silently and internally when I wake up in the morning I'll remember and understand one of my dreams that's it say it once you don't have to repeat it you certainly don't have to chant it just say to yourself as you drift off to la-la land, hey, in the morning when I wake up, I'm going to remember and understand one of our dreams. And imagine how cool that'll be. Allow yourself to get a little, you know, excited about, oh, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Let's see if it works, right? Well, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. So the second night you practice, I'll bet you that by the third night, if you did that three nights in a row, 90% of you would have a very unusual experience remembering one of your spontaneous dreams. 
If you practice that then for a few weeks and get it up and running, keep a notepad, you know, a journal or a log and um, a pen or a pencil on the table next to you, I'd suggest you invest in a nice book and a nice pen that's a way of saying to yourself, this matters and this is important. You could use a yellow pad and a pencil if you want, but why not invest $15 in a nice pen and a nice book just for your dreams and make it special? It's it, it's the secret of consecration. When you care about things like that and make a, a big deal out of it, even if only to yourself, the subconscious mind is watching and going, wow, that really matters to Michael, so must be something really cool in this, right? So you've got this nice blank pages book, this journal, and this nice pen that you bought just for your dreams, and you write them down when you wake up. And um, continue as you go to sleep that night and the following night and the night after that to give yourself this simple suggestion, this affirmation that, hey, I'm going off to sleep. When I wake up in the morning, I will remember and understand one of my dreams. Say it exactly like that. If you don't say, when I wake up in the morning, you'll just say, when I wake up, I'll remember and understand one of my dreams. You're likely to wake up right after the dream. And it might be 2 in the morning or 4.30, right? So say, in the morning when I wake up. Imagine yourself... There's a whole process of setting a mental alarm that goes along with this. I usually teach my students. But however you wake yourself up, say to yourself as you fall asleep the night before, when I wake up in the morning, I will remember and understand one of my dreams. Then write it down, even if it's just a fragment or a little piece of a dream. You'll get better at remembering. You'll get better at understanding. Forget the dream dictionaries. They have value, they're of interest, but what about your personal symbols? You're not going to find those in a book, right? Or you may come from a different culture, uh, different traditions, and have different symbology in mind. So these books or these dream dictionaries have um, limited value. Uh, the secret to understanding your dreams is practice. Just go back and reread your dreams. Every once in a while, you sit down and you flip back through your dreams, and the log that you've written, the journal. You go back two, three months, and in that context, dreams that may not have made much sense at all when you wrote them down that morning, suddenly begin to form a pattern. And, well, maybe not so suddenly, but gradually begin to form a pattern. Uh, you might be aware of it suddenly. Like, oh, my goodness, that's what this is about. Oh, I mean, it's really practicing rereading your dreams and reviewing your past dreams that you begin to understand yourself better. And that's the point of all of this, understanding yourself better. Uh, what you're thinking unconsciously at really deep levels of awareness. And then you're in a position to begin to incubate the dream. And all you do is change the language a little bit. As you fall asleep, you say to yourself, in the morning when I wake up, I'll remember and understand a dream that will contain information to help me solve 
this problem I have in mind. Okay? Basically the same thing, but you just tacked a little bit on the end. When I wake up in the morning, I'll remember and understand a dream that will contain information to help me solve this problem. And bring the problem to mind, but bring it to mind at that moment with an emotional affect of, oh boy, I'm so excited, I'm about to find the solution or to realize the solution to this problem. In other words, you bring the problem to mind, but you frame it in a positive way with, with a high degree of expectation and enthusiasm, all right? As if, oh boy, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow and remember this dream and have the solution to the problem. And again, if you then practice dream incubation, you'll be amazed at the information that becomes available. Not only in the dream, but in a synchronistic way throughout your day. You might find that you wake up in the morning and you don't remember the dream at all. But later that afternoon, the phone rings and you learn something or you read the newspaper the next day and all of a sudden the answer you're looking for is there in the newspaper or in the phone call. And you say, whoa, I programmed a dream. It, I, I didn't remember the dream, but it came through the newspaper or the, or the telephone. How weird is that? What kind of coincidence is that? It's called synchronicity. And the truth is, when you program a dream, you program reality because reality and dreaming are not that different. It's just a matter of channels. I think the very first workshop that I ever did in personal and spiritual development was in 1983 in Los Angeles at the convention center. Somebody sent me a complete set of the recordings of that event. 83, I mean, what is this, 25 years ago. And one of the things I remember about that very first workshop, Integrated Living, I think we called it, was that at the end of the day, we we met from, I think, 8 or 9 in the morning until 10 or 11 at night. It was a long, intensive day. 300 and some people. And at the end of the event, we sang Row, Row, Row Your Boat in rounds, you know, divided the group into three, and you start, and you do two measures, and then the second group comes in at the beginning, and you know how a round works from grade school. But after we sang it uh, for a few minutes, we talked about the meaning of row your boat gently downstream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Now there again, the nursery rhyme we all know, we've all sung thousand and one times, and yet never really, it's likely, never really thought about it. Life is but a dream. Life is but a dream. Life is only a dream. Life is primarily a dream. Essentially, life is a dream, but there's waking up on the other side. For those of you who 
have a fear of death. And everybody, I would suppose, has some degree of a fear of death, but some people have an extraordinarily high fear of death. What if you knew that dying was like waking up? Those of us who've had near-death experiences don't all agree, but there is a general consensus that it feels like waking up. And so, I don't know if that provides any solace to you or any, any consolation, but what does it mean that life is a dream? I'm suggesting that if you work with the dreams you have at night, if you practice remembering the spontaneous dreams, if you then incubate dreams and practice incubating dreams, if you practice with lucid dreams, which I want to mention, I said I would mention, I can't really dwell upon, I don't have the time today, but this is the experience of being aware that you're dreaming while the dream is happening. You have free will and conscious volition in the dream. This is sometimes associated with out-of-body experience, uh, soul travel, or so-called astral projection. And there's a lot to this. You can pretty much go anywhere you want and do whatever you want with so-called astral projection. Not very popular right now. It was real popular 80 or 100 years ago, uh, less so now, but I'm sure it'll be rediscovered. Um, these kinds of out-of-body experiences, OBEs, near-death experience, soul travel, astral projection, uh, clairvoyance, remote viewing, uh, always fade in and, and then fade out of uh, popularity of, of the public consciousness. Um, Michael Labarge, L-A, I think it's L-A-B-E-R-G-E, Michael Labarge, similar to that if I don't have it quite right, wrote a book eight or ten years ago simply called Lucid Dreaming, where he describes the technique of saying over and over, is this a dream? Is this a dream? Throughout your waking day, is this a dream? Is this a dream? Am I dreaming now? Is this a dream? You do that throughout the day, and it begins to enter into your sleep pattern. And in time, you're likely to find yourself aware of yourself saying, is this a dream? And you find the answer is yes. First time it happened to me, I said to myself in the dream, I'm sleeping and I'm dreaming, and I know I'm sleeping and I know I'm dreaming, and yet uh, how could I prove this to myself? And so I thought, well, I'll just count from one to three, and when I say the number three, I'll sit up in bed and wake up, and if that works, then I'll know this was a lucid dream. If it doesn't work, I'll probably forget that I'm doing this. And so I went one, two, three, and I woke up, sitting up in bed. So I knew I was dreaming. Um, let me get my glasses here. Doreen has just handed me the name of the author of this book. She knows who I'm talking about, the guy that wrote uh, Lucid Dreaming. 
it's uh, Stephen with a P-H, like Stefan, you know, Stephen with a P-H. And then Labarge is L-E, capital B-A-R-G-E, Stephen Labarge. And for those of you that are curious, uh, interested in following up on that, okay. Um, so I have fun with that. I think at this point, there's a lot of other things we could talk about, but I think I'd like to read your questions and and your comments at this point. So um, if you'd like to use the text box on the web in front of you or pick up the telephone and dial in, or if you're already on the phone, raise your hand by pressing star 2, and uh, we'll work our way through this. Let me refresh the pages here just to get a count, a rough count of how many people are on. Well, that didn't come up. That didn't work too well. Okay, let's try questions and answers and see what you guys have to say here. Uh, first we have... Uh, Well, let me see. We have uh, Carol from La Habra. She says, yeah, the page is very different. Oh, now, oh, it's B-E you're saying now. You're just, you were just fooling the first time. La Burge, L-A-B-E-R-G-E, La Burge, Stephen La Burge. Anyway, back to this um, Carol says she doesn't think the chat room seems to be working, but uh, everything else, though it looks different, seems to be working, and so that's cool. Um, let's see. Carol says there is a box that says chat room login, but it's covered by this box. Oh, um, maybe that's the text box. There should be an X in the corner you can use to close that, Carol. Philip in Los Osos is with us today, and he says, Hi, Michael. Love hearing about dreams. In the holiday spirit, I had a dream years ago of sitting on, let's see, sitting on the edge of a wooden canyon, or of a wooded canyon, and a Santa Claus kind of character, looking like a, a shaman, was ascending vertically on an open lift, on a pole that probably reached higher than I was even aware, and and I was gently and lovingly tossing snowballs at uh, Santa the Shaman as he ascended. What a fun dream! Great webinar. Thank you, Philip. Uh, that is <laughs> that was a very very cool dream. Santa Claus is a deva, of course, which was why I counsel parents who ask me. Should I tell my kid about Santa Claus? How are we going to deal with this? I mean, if you feel that Santa Claus is a lie and you tell your kid, they're going to spill the beans to all the other kids. And so, you know, these kids are going to be traumatized by that. And if you play the Santa Claus game, then they get traumatized when they find out Santa's not real. My position is, when the kid gets old enough, you explain that, of course, Santa Claus is not the guy at the department store. Santa Claus is a spirit. Santa Claus is 
I don't know if you want to use the word ghost, but spirit or deva um, or elf, you know. Remember in the poem, The Night Before Christmas, Santa was a jolly old elf. Uh, and an elf can be, you know, tiny, just a few inches, or giant, 20-foot elf. So uh, most of what we think of as Santa Claus, I guess, is a, this jolly guy, overweight uh, elf um, with the big beard and the red cheeks and the red and white outfit. Most of that was invented, I guess, by Coca-Cola about a hundred years ago. But uh, as a symbol of giving, as a symbol of Christmas, as a symbol of love, uh, of gifts of love, and, and again, giving, uh, it's a deva, it's a spirit, and so it is real. So I always tell people, yeah, go ahead and tell your kids that when they start asking those questions, just say, well, yeah, of course Santa's real. Now, little kids think he's real in a body, but as we get older, we know that what's real about Christmas and real about Santa is the love. And on Christmas morning, when the kids are all excited and you have the family together in the big breakfast, that's about as real as it gets. I mean, that is real. That's very cool. Uh, Philip also adds, uh, when I was studying shamanism and journeying to fast drum beats, I had some very vivid experiences and was more conscious and awake. Is there a relationship between dreaming and journeying? Yeah, definitely. And brain entrainment. That that I want to do a show on brain entrainment. We touched on it a couple of months ago, and I want to go back to it. And I now have the ability to to upload some soundtracks to this webinar, and I can play some binaural uh, brain entrainment tones on this webinar. And um, so stay tuned for that. We'll do that in the future, and I think that'll be um, a lot of fun to work with uh, light and sound entrainment. Laura lies with us in Houston, says, Aloha, Michael, as always, a great class. Have a wonderful week. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Thank you, Lorelei. I see Lorelei on Facebook every once in a while. That's nice. Robert in Irvine, uh, aloha. I like the new webpage. Uh, he says, how do you jumpstart your life when you feel stuck? Thanks, Michael. Have a magical week of dreams and dreaming. Well, I would say, without being, uh, you know, <laughs> at the risk of sounding sarcastic, you dream it up. You imagine, you pretend. How do you jumpstart your life? You set a goal, and you imagine attaining the goal, and then you move toward it. You know, so you need the clear, specific image of a project or a goal or a solution or a desired outcome, and then that creates a direction. Now you know what direction to head in. Remember, it's more about the journey than actually arriving at the goal. And then use love, happiness, and joy as the path, as the way. You follow your heart toward your goal. And um, jumpstart, well, I don't know, maybe baby steps would be better advice than a big jumpstart. Okay. Um, just do something every day. When I work with people that are severely depressed, 
or even mildly depressed, I will often suggest on your worst day, do one little thing that's productive and then write off the rest of the day. You know, even if you just did one little thing, made one phone call, paid one bill, wrote one letter, got on the Internet and took care of one little thing you had to do, and then because you were so depressed you just went back to bed or you watched bad movies on TV or whatever, at least you could say, well, I did this one thing, and if it lasted for a week, you could say, well, I got seven things done this week, and it's... So I'm a big fan of uh, baby steps and uh, even more than than uh, jump starts, so to speak. I'm not sure, again, exactly what you mean by that. Uh, let's see who's on the telephone. We have some people on the phone, but I don't see any hands raised. Thank you guys for using the telephone. You know you can always use either. And remember... Uh, on that main page, besides the primary and the backup, is a link that says other numbers. And you'll be able to find an area code near you if you're still paying for long-distance calls by the minute and a toll call is a concern. Go in there and uh, choose from, God, there's dozens and dozens of phone numbers for this event every week. Any one of those numbers will work. Just be sure you enter the conference ID carefully. And so uh, if the, those of you who are on the line would like to ask a question, I mean on the telephone want to ask a question, press star 2. And uh, let me hit auto-refresh so I see it when that comes in. And uh, we can probably go to you after the meditation. Same thing with those of you who have text messages. If you want to uh, do the text message, it's not too late. I'll hit refresh after the candid imagery. So let's do that. Let's do a little exercise, and we'll just review how to be better at remembering and understanding our dreams. And if we work with the dreams we have at night, we get even better at the dreams we have in the daytime. How to daydream. How to think more positively. How to see the glass is half full instead of half empty. Because even though you're rowing your boat gently down the stream, be sure to do it merrily because life is but a dream. Let me let me add real quickly, <laughs> it occurs to me to say this, a very important and even essential dream. Sometimes we, we have friends who study Buddhism or Taoism or Hinduism, some Eastern philosophy, and they're uh, all excited to let us know that Life is really an illusion. It's just a dream. Um, the problem with uh, uh, somebody who is new to philosophy saying life is an illusion, it's only a dream, is they often fail to realize what an important dream it is, what a imperative or essential dream these dreams are. These are dreams with meaning. 
life is a dream with a purpose. And essentially that purpose is learning about love. Learning what love is and where it comes from. What the qualities of love are. How to wield love or use love in your life as a force to redeem and refine any negative and to return a positive, to take evil and turn it into goodness, to take ignorance and turn it into understanding. It's a very important dream. So the next time some neophyte Buddhist walks up to you and uh, tells you they'll pray for you, (laughs) no, that's the born again, right? That's okay, I'll pray for you. Uh, You have that same kind of sanctimonious uh, attitude in the neophyte in Eastern philosophy, too. Oh, you know, have your silly religion, but it's all a dream anyway. Uh, Hey, wait a minute. It's a very important dream. It's an essential dream. It's a very meaningful dream. And it's your dream. It's not his dream anyway or her dream. They have their own dream. (laughs) If they were dreaming your dream, one of you would be redundant. And that's not the case. So close your eyes and let's do a meditation. A kind of a dream, a daydream, not unlike a night dream. In terms of brain waves, it's the same place. We're going to go to alpha. Some of you may go a little deeper into theta. Um, depending on how strongly you visualize. But it always begins by closing your eyes to reduce stimulus from the physical world, to reduce those distractions, and feeling safe and relaxed, take a nice, slow, deep breath. Hold for a moment as you peek and as you exhale. ah, Create and sense a letting go feeling. And take a second or a third slow, deep breath, as slowly as you can inhale, hold for a moment, as slowly as you can exhale, going beyond where you'd normally stop. And after three or four nice, slow, deep breaths, turn your breathing over to autopilot. Let go of the responsibility to breathe, and you'll notice that the higher mind, if you will, breathes you automatically. And just release any control or attempt to influence the breathing. Release. Let go. And allow your body to find its own natural rhythm. And unless your nose is plugged up, close your mouth and allow that breathing to happen in the nose. Obviously, if you have a cold or allergies of some sort, you may need to breathe through your mouth. But if possible, allow your breathing to come in and out through the nose. And even if you're a little plugged up, you may find an opening. You may find that in the next few minutes, 
those nasal passages begin to dilate and it's easier to breathe through your nose. Imagine yourself not only feeling safe and relaxed, but balanced and centered, and so safe that you can actually allow yourself to feel a release of muscular tension. Feel your muscular armor falling away, just dropping away. Because you feel so safe and so relaxed that there's no need to be on guard. No need to defend or protect yourself. In fact, you cultivate a feeling of vulnerability. You are so safe. that you can be particularly sensitive to your thoughts, to your feelings. Become more aware, not through any effort, but rather by allowing and permitting yourself to exist without effort. And still life goes on. Become familiar in the next minute or so. Simply explore the feeling of life moving through you without you doing anything about it. No effort, no response, nothing you need to do, and yet you're not falling behind, you're not left behind. If we do this for another 60 seconds, you'll still be exactly where you are, right here, right now. You're not losing time. You're not spending time. You're just allowing yourself to exist timelessly. Like a dream. Have you ever noticed that in your dreams you don't think about what time it is? In your dreams you're not aware of any calendars? A dream doesn't tell you that it's Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday afternoon. It's usually irrelevant to a dream, any dream, all your dreams, every dream you've ever had. 
likely devoid of any reference at all to time. And so what if it didn't matter? What if you could just be a human being right here, right now? Aware of your tendency to think. You could, as you have always been, aware of yourself as the thinker, the one who can apply your thoughts to a purpose or allow your thoughts to spontaneously generate. And still you are driven by those thoughts an effect it seems of your thinking but you also have the choice I would suggest to mindfully detach and watch the thoughts drift by and you become the dreamer not the dream the witness rather than the thinker the one who watches and observes your thoughts and feelings from a slightly detached and elevated perspective this we call mindfulness suggesting that to believe that you are your thoughts and to allow yourself to be driven by your thoughts. One could argue that that borders on mindlessness and mindfulness, as I've said instead, is to let go of it and get an arm's length away and say, those are my thoughts, and look, those are my feelings, but I'm watching them go by. I don't have to be those thoughts or do what they say or believe them because they run through my mind. I'm not a victim of my thinking. If here's a whole series of scary thoughts, I don't need to be afraid. In fact, I can choose my response to these thoughts. I can choose my response to my thoughts I can choose my response to my feelings I can choose not to respond at all but merely witness whether awake or asleep my dreams my spontaneous thoughts and feelings the result of incessant activity by the lower mind that works so hard 
at thinking and thinking about thinking and thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking about and feeling our feelings and feeling our thoughts and thinking about our feelings and then feeling our thoughts and then feeling our feelings and thinking about our feelings and we get so confused that the self itself is lost in the chaos unless and until we meditate we become mindful and release that chaos and allow ourselves effortlessly to just float up a little bit to a slightly higher perspective and see yourself gently rowing down the stream. You're going downstream. You could be drifting, but probably a better idea to row your boat gently just to guide yourself down the stream. Go with the flow. Merrily, happily, peacefully, lovingly. Life is a dream. Be the dreamer, not the dream. Say, I am the dreamer. Not merely the dream, though I can understand myself by reflecting upon my dreams, but I am the dreamer more than the dream. And the cause rather than the effect of my life. So it is. And commit to yourself to practice. To return to these seminars on Sundays, to listen to the replay, to listen to similar podcasts and audio programs. To study, to meditate, and to carry our mindfulness with us throughout our day-to-day affairs. And bring this with you, this commitment, this awareness, this understanding as you reorient yourself to the room around you, remembering what you'll see in a moment when I ask you to open your eyes wide awake and alert, and telling yourself that You'll have a full memory and a deep understanding of what we've done and practice falling asleep at night with the simple affirmation that you'll remember and understand your dreams in the morning when you awaken. Practice, practice. Write them down to better understand the true self, the higher self. Take a nice, slow, deep breath now, filling your lungs. Hold for a moment, and as you exhale, just as slowly, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, back in the room, feeling fine, and uh, remembering what we did so you can practice it. Okay. 
Well, that's about all the time we have. Checking the phone panel one more time. Don't see any hands raised. Let's check the... Um, excuse me a second here. The questions. Where did I hide the questions? Oh, yeah. Let's see if we have any other questions. And, uh, yeah, Phil Joffe has jumped in. Um he said he was at that seminar back in 83 or 84, Row Your Boat. Uh, Jacob Martin is also with us from England, says hello, thanks for the great class. Thank you, Jacob. I especially appreciate you telling your friends on Facebook and elsewhere about this. He said, I've heard that lucid dreaming is the ability to be aware that you're dreaming and therefore being able to travel within the dream or go places Excuse me. Uh, he says, but there's a fine line between being asleep and, and awakening. And as soon as I become aware that I'm dreaming, I wake up. Is there a way we can realize that we're dreaming and still remain asleep? Yeah. But I only have about two minutes to back out of here. So um, let me see. Why don't you... Let's see. What we do... Let me swipe this and copy this to an email, and that will remind me to answer you. No, I don't have your email address. Or if I do, I'm not aware that I have it. Email this question to me, Jacob, and I'll respond. Okay? Send it to me at MB, my initials, MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Okay? MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Repeat that question and... I'll answer you, uh, give it the, the time that it really deserves, okay? So that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. Join us next Sunday. Tell your friends. Check out FocusedPassion.com for the six free programs. And if you can subscribe at three ninety six a month, less than $4 a month, that helps support all of this and keep this webinar free and both sites ad-free. 99 cents a week for a killer program that Steve and I do, studio quality, finding yourself in paradise at FocusedPassion.com. Aloha from Maui. This is Michael Benner. <laughs>